Okay, so you have a small business that you need to market, but you're not a marketer. So now what? Where do you start and what are you even supposed to do? Well, meet Engie. Engie is marketing software that simplifies marketing for small business owners. You can plan, organize, and get your marketing out the door and in front of your next customers fast. The best news? Engie is turning one on May 8th, so you can make marketing way more manageable for yourself for only $19 a month for your first year with the code BDAY. But don't wait. This offer ends on May 31st. Hey guys, welcome back to Pretty Okay Podcast, the chillest of all chill podcasts for (laughs) creative and small business owners. I'm your host, Samantha Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. And we are still hanging on by a thread. (laughs) Um, We're here. We're, We're hanging. How are things going with you? I mean, I don't feel like much has changed. Yeah. Still just... Thankful for the ability to work from home Mm -hmm. and thankful that people around me are still excited to keep busy because I'm the absolute worst at being bored. You can ask my spouse how how much of a joy I am to be around when I'm bored because it's the answer is not a joy. You should get together with Steven and they can just commiserate. <laughs> Steven's like, you don't have to make a to-do list on Sunday. I'm like, you don't have to make a to-do list on Sunday. <laughs> but I do. I need to track all the things. If I don't write it down and I don't physically cross it off, it's like it never happened. Yeah, no, exactly. And there's just like zero satisfaction in completing anything if I yeah. don't write it down. <laughs> Totally. So I need to cross off the clean bathrooms. <laughs> I don't want my checklist. Yep. Totally. No, I know our son, this Sunday was full of projects and I was just like, these are so silly, but they're things I want to do today. So I'm going to write them down. I'm going to cross it off. And Stephen's just sitting there reading his book, you know, which is fine, like to each their own. But I just, I cannot, I'm with you. I can't sit still. I can't not have something to do, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm with you working from home. It's like I'm navigating working from home full-time, which I've always done. Well, not always, but you know what I mean. But now I also have a full-time husband at home. (laughs) And that's the, who is not working full-time. So I have to keep telling him, hey, you know, I'm not on vacation, right? (laughs) Totally. It's like when my grandma calls at 9 a.m. on a work day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, I am not available for personal calls at the moment. So (laughs) just because I work from home. Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment for people who did not already have working from home as a part of their routine. Yeah, no, for sure. Tell grandma to get her shit together. Yeah, like, um, don't you have other? No, she has a ton of people she could talk to, but I just need to be a better granddaughter. (laughs) That's always good. Are you the favorite grandchild? Um, I don't think for this particular grandmother, 
Both of my grandmothers are still alive. Mine too. And on my mom's side, I'm one of four, and my mom's brother doesn't have any kids. But then on my dad's side, I'm one of 14 grandchildren. Oh, shit. So you got some competition. I got some competition, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that I'm near the top of the list. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I know. I'm my both my grandma's favorites, <laughs> and I I am proud of that fact, and I taunt my siblings with that fact. <laughs> You know, she swears she doesn't play favorites, but we know they do. They do. Yes. And sorry, Gramami, I will be better at checking in. <laughs> um, so this week we're going to jump into the fourth part of our series, I think. It's number four, right? Yeah. So. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, but we're going to launch into the fourth part of the series, how to launch a business without losing your goddamn mind. Uh, and we've covered a lot so far uh, in part one. We covered, you know, the very first steps, determining your values and your mission. And then in part two, we covered some uh, basic market research, drafting a business plan, elevator pitch and intellectual property. And then in part three, a couple weeks ago, we went over like the nitty gritty of infrastructure, which includes the fun stuff like licenses and insurance and <laughs> uh, all the moving pieces you need internally to get your business not only off the ground, but set up for longevity. Um, so today we're going to talk about the production side of things. And if you have a, a product-based business or maybe you want to have a product-based business, I think this is going to be a key episode uh, for you. And and even if you don't have plans to have a product-based business, like it could be proactive learning because you never know what might change. So Taylor, this is kind of your area of expertise. So do you want to kind of take the reins here? Yeah, I'm excited to dive into this one because this being involved in a product-based business was not something that I ever thought would be <laughs> in my realm of experience. I mean, granted, I never thought that I would not be a teacher. So I've already... Right checked off a couple, never thought I would have done this. Thanks. But the product space is so interesting, partly I think because it's so, I mean, it's complicated, but also straightforward if you have some idea of the path you want to walk down. And I don't want to overwhelm people with all of the facets of what's involved in starting a product-based business. But just like everything else, it's really important for you to understand, you know, the fundamentals of what you are getting yourself into or thinking about getting yourself into. Because being caught with your pants down and your bra off, <laughs> no one's wearing a bra, <laughs> totally sucks. <laughs> right? Um, so, right. yeah, it totally sucks. Especially because products require capital. You, you know, if you're starting mm -hmm. a service-based business, financially, there's typically less risk because you could just, you know, if you are the product and you're just providing a service, there's really no hard cost to that. But when you're starting a product-based business, there are certain things that you just can't get around from investing monetarily. Mm -hmm. So today, I think it's really important for everyone to understand what it takes to go from concept to fit to actual product 
and in a way that ensures that you're creating a consistent quality, a consistently quality product. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I think everyone needs to realize they need to do is you have to do a lot of product testing. Mm -hmm. And even if you on paper think you have the most rock solid plans for what this product is going to look like and how it's going to function, you're going to get back samples and be like, that is not right. (laughs) Nobody ever goes with the very first prototype, right? Yeah, no. So, and, you know, this can be differences or you can have these, like, I don't know, just all of these, what's the word I'm looking for? Not inconsistencies. Hmm. Inefficiencies is definitely not the right word for what I'm trying to say. You can have, (laughs) you can have inconsistencies in your material. You can have inconsistencies in actual production, like, you know, how things are cut, how things are sewn together or glued together or whatever. So Mm -hmm. there's just a lot of opportunity for things to break down in the production process. So it is really important that you go through a pretty solid concept and testing phase. Um, That was actually one of the things that surprised us at Source was, you know, we had been producing styling blocks that were squares and rectangles at all sorts of different sizes and thicknesses and never had any problems. And then we were like, let's do some round ones. And with the round ones, it was totally different. Like there's the cuts are not as clean just because of how the laser moves through the acrylic. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like These are not what the fuck. So, um, so yeah, so even when you have a product that is consistently good, you can make just even a small pivot and all of a sudden it's not what you want. Yeah. Or things out of your control, like a supplier closes down or they change their products. Like there's always, there's everybody I know who has a product-based business is always dealing with some kind of issue on the production side. Yeah. And we don't have to get into the scary uh, concept of supply chain, but yeah, basically your supply chain is not in your control because you're depending on a bunch of different businesses to do their thing and not have their processes and supply chains fucked with. So, um, so yeah, so you definitely, this is where you start. And this is something that just unfortunately is one of the places where you just have to invest money because you need yeah. to test, test and test again, because the last thing you want is a product that just isn't good. And your customers then are going to be asking for refunds. Yep. Um, you don't test it long enough before you ship it out and you realize you don't realize that there's some kind of issue that happens after the fourth use or, you know, like there's again, that longevity aspect of it that I think gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. And then, you know, if I know that, you know, a couple people who are in like the body product space, mm-hmm. so then that's a whole nother layer of needing to test your product yeah. 
to make sure that, you know, it doesn't give people rashes. Skin <laughs> green. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, invest the, the time, money and effort to make sure that you're testing your product and that you get it to a point where you are as confident as you can be that it's not going to get jacked or <laughs> jack people up. <laughs> and just to tie it back into the previous episode, Again, insurance helps for these kind of things because <laughs> you never know when somebody's going to have an allergic reaction or, you know, eat your product. I don't know. Don't eat plastic things, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Please don't eat non-food products, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, those warnings only exist because some human did it. Yeah. Yes, every weird warning you ever see exists because someone tried it. <laughs> and you guys can't see it, but I'm doing the biggest shake of my head. Big head shake. <laughs> like, why do I need to know this is flammable? Who tried to light this on fire? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so the fun phase of testing, you're going to rock the shit out of it. Don't be scared, just do it. Okay, so the next really important piece for you to understand that impacts your business as a whole is knowing how to price your product. And it is a bit of a moving target, but that's okay. As long as you are along for the ride of, you know, making changes when you need to. Mm -hmm. But the first thing that you really need to figure out is how much does it actually cost to produce your product? So sometimes that's very straightforward and sometimes it is not, depending Mm -hmm. on how many suppliers you're working with to end up with a final product, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have, let's go back to the body product example. If you're creating a lotion, there's all of the ingredients, then there's whatever production costs like at the facility to make it. Then you have probably bottling costs associated with it and labels and Mm -hmm. getting your product from the production facility to you. So there's lots of things that can go into this number. And I mean, shit, just track it in an Excel sheet or something. But you, yeah, (laughs) like having a stack, but track it, like having a stack of random receipts that you've gotten from different suppliers is is really gonna not be fun for you now i'm shaking my head and you can't see it don't do that doesn't matter if you have one of those little spiky metal sticks that you put your receipts (laughs) on like steven used to when i first met him i was like do you work at a fucking diner what is wrong (laughs) (laughs) totally keep track of all his business expenses it cracked me up okay sorry this is not no just hard, hard no on that. So do your best to track all of the things that you are, that money is going out the door for. And the other thing that's kind of a, that was something that I learned. I mean, I, it sounds commonsensical and I just should have been like, oh yeah, duh. But you should ask whoever's actually producing your product if you're working with someone like that, where the price breaks are. So if you like, if you're ordering 20 of something versus you're ordering 60, is the 
price at some point should drop because it becomes more cost effective for that supplier to create things in large quantities. Right. So that then becomes a factor in where you're going to price things based on how large you're going to, or how frequently and and what size orders you're going to be placing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the next thing to know is wholesale and retail markups. So wholesale is usually just 2x mm-hmm. and retail is 4x. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting into wholesale, woof. Yeah. It's a lot of work it for a fucking beast. Yeah. You know, I get it. It's like, I get it. I do understand the value of doing it at some point. <laughs> I think some businesses focus on it too early in their business and they end up losing so much money that they could be making in those early days. But we should do a whole, we should get a wholesale expert on here mm-hmm. and do a wholesale episode. Cause I know it's a thing that a lot of our, our listeners are interested in and, and whatnot, but yeah, wholesale is a fucking beast of its own. Yeah. Because you literally, you don't get to cut any corners, right? but you only get to charge twice your production costs. So the profit that ends up in your, or the revenue that ends up in your pocket is like so little. Um, So scampy. But, and I I have friends that started with a retail or a a wholesale component to their business. And then they were just, it didn't feel sustainable for them for the amount of effort that it required to fulfill. Yeah, it's a lot easier for sure when you're able to like mass produce, um, you know, your product like clothing and whatnot. Like obviously if you're you're getting it produced, say overseas or something like that and you're getting it cheaper and there's all these factors that kind of play into the wholesale element of it. Um, but yeah, it's a monster. It is a monster. So um, the last thing that I want to mention about pricing, because this is pricing is such a rabbit hole of a topic. Mm-hmm. We could probably talk about it for an hour on its own. But the last well, thing and there's I- no one size fits all. Totally, totally. And I think that's a, a, a common misconception is people are like, okay, what's the formula to price my my product? And it's like, well, everybody's different. There's literally like everyone has different overhead. Everybody has different, you know, things to take into consideration when they're pricing their products. So the short answer of that is that there is no formula. So you just gave me the perfect lead in to my last point is that you really need to understand all of your operating expenses. Mm -hmm. And it is very wise to roll those into the cost or the price of your product. Because otherwise you're taking that off the top of your profit. No, no. So don't cut yourself off at the knees by charging, you know, $50 when really you should be charging 65 or 70 to make sure that you're covering rent, insurances, license, like literally all of your operating costs should be tallied up, divided by 12, divided by how many units of, you know, product you plan on selling. I don't know. There's no, there's no hard and fast formula, but make up some sort of formula for yourself to at least have an educated 
starting point. Yeah. Okay. So now that you have a solid point to start to your pricing off of, we definitely talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but you know, it's related to production as well as how are you going to store your inventory? What we didn't talk about is how are you going to track it? Yeah. I love to do systems. systems. Yes. Did you ever work at a retail store when you were younger and have to do inventory? No, the closest thing I ever did was when I was 16, I worked at Starbucks. Hmm. And so like, I kind of did a little bit, but nothing like real retail. Yeah. I mean, I worked at what is now Dick's Sporting Goods, but it was Chick's Sporting Goods back in the day. Really? It was called Chick's? It was called Chick's. Didn't yeah. know that. It's called Chick's. I worked in the shoe department, slinging running shoes. Okay. Um, but once a year we had to do a complete inventory of everything in the store and those stores are gigantic. Yeah. So granted, most of us are not ever going to have to oversee an inventory that large, but even when you're managing a small inventory, it can be kind of a bitch because you're dealing with different versions of your product, different colors, different sizes, different combinations, right? And so you need to know exactly how many units you have of each one. So this doesn't have to be super scientific. I mean, we track our source inventory in Asana. Um, it, you know, an Excel sheet works fine. The downside of doing it that way is that it's a manual process. So every mm-hmm. time you sell something, that sheet needs to be updated, which hopefully you're selling a shit ton and right. it becomes <laughs> annoying to have to update this thing. Yes. But, you know, Squarespace does, has, like, you input how many units you have, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really track your inventory. And I'm not, because I've never worked with this Shopify site. I don't know the answer. If shop, I assume Shopify does a way better job at tracking inventory. It did. Yeah. I've worked with Shopify sites before for, for inventory things for like client businesses. And it does, I think it does a pretty beautiful job of keeping track of your, your inventory and everything. Sweet. So, um, so you can rely on technology mm-hmm. when you need to. The- QuickBooks also has an inventory option. Oh. Um, I've never used it. But if you are somebody who likes QuickBooks and, you know, it's it's user-friendly for you, which I know is not everybody, um, that's another option you could look at is, is doing it directly through there. There you go. Boom. <laughs> See, I'm dropping knowledge bombs. <laughs> I'm going to insert a bomb, a bomb sound effect right there. Yes. A knowledge bomb sound effect. Knowledge bomb. Can we record that and, like, lay that over? Every time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand percent. Knowledge bomb. <laughs> I hope you guys are laughing. We're laughing. <laughs> we laugh at ourselves. Well, yeah, we totally laugh at ourselves. But I know for a fact that other people are thoroughly entertained by our weirdness. So or at least they tell us they are, so we're not there. I know you guys wouldn't bullshit us. <laughs> you wouldn't bullshit us. 
So, okay. So the last thing about inventory that I wanted to touch base on is something that a lot of new business owners will end up doing is needing to split your inventory across multiple platforms. So, and the, the most likely scenario that this is happening is like you've started a, a Squarespace or a Shopify site, but then you also have inventory listed on Etsy, right? Mm. So that's a little bit of a monkey wrench and mm-hmm. it's just cleanest to literally separate your inventory out on the back end and say, this is how many units I have available for platform A. This is how many units I have available for platform B. Because if you keep it all in one bucket and one, you know, then your numbers are just off. Like you can't say that, okay, I have 10 units of this product and I'm going to list 10 units on both of my platforms. Like mm-hmm. you're going to catch yourself up shit's Creek. Right. Cause hopefully you're selling out. <laughs> totally. Totally. So just keep that in mind. If you're listing your products on multiple sites, which is a thing. Sorry, just to ask a question here. Um, what is kind of the pros of listing it on two different spots? I've never fully understood that aside from maybe the, the SEO benefits you get from Etsy. Mm-hmm. So I used to, like when we started Source, I was like, we don't need to put our shit all over the place. I didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with it. My stubbornness. No. Yeah. Just like, thank you, but no. Since then, we have put our shit all over the internet. And it is very interesting because I think it comes down to the the customers and the audience. And the fact, like, for sure, the SEO piece, for sure. Like, you know, if you can associate your product with a really established website, that bodes in your favor. But... You know, Etsy has its own ad platform and we actually just started experimenting with that and we've been having really great results. Mm-hmm. Whereas even when we run retargeting ads based on our own website where we have mm-hmm. the same product listed, we don't have the same return on investment. Interesting. So, yeah, so it's been very, inter- like, I've had a very interesting personal experience with it because, like I said, I was hardcore. Please, can we, like, keep this simple? Yeah. So now I'm much more open to it. And I think when it, if I were to sum it up as succinctly as I can, we're just giving people more opportunities to give us their money. And we're not sense. a huge global household name. So the more opportunities that we give ourselves and give potential customers to find and connect with us right now, I think is not a bad strategy. Yeah. That makes sense. So, but yeah, it doesn't make your life simple <laughs> <laughs> by any stretch of the word. Yeah. Well, that is the entrepreneur life, isn't it? <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I, I was actually kind of, I mean, I can say this because I love all my business partners and that's probably <laughs> that I'm, I can be difficult, but I also know I can be difficult. Um, I was pretty staunchly against listing things on Etsy uh-huh. 
for whatever reason. And I've been, my, my vote has slipped. So um, if you have the, if you have like the mental capacity sure. to try it, right. Cause it, it, it does essentially create double work in a lot of places. So don't do it if you're already strapped for time and energy, right. Focus, focus building your, your business on one platform before you move into others. Um, but if you find yourself with all the energy in the world and shit knows, like we have quite a bit of extra time <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> um, feel free to double, triple, quadruple dip. Okay, so we have talked about pricing, testing, inventory. The last thing that I wanted in this kind of section before we talk a little bit about distribution is tying back into tracking your inventory so that you know well in advance when you need to restock. Important thing. Definitely important because again, it kind of sucks when you all of a sudden have people who want to buy your product and you don't have any that blows. So understand how much time you need to give your suppliers and production team to, you know, send you more. And the other piece is I think it's smart to have the first money, especially if you're just starting out, right? Have the first however many sales you make, save that money, A, just for general savings, but then save enough to pay for a restock before you start paying yourself or doing anything else. That way you're totally covered. Yes, and that's why too most small business owners don't, take a paycheck for the first year or two, like two years is the average, but you know, it's because you do, once you make some money, it doesn't mean you're flushed with cash. It means cool. Let's put this back into the business and keep this train rolling. Keep it rolling. So, you know, I think you can, I actually have both of my first, I have my very first paycheck from consulting and my first owner's job check from source framed on my desk. Cause I think it's kind of fucking cool. Totally. Uh, Yeah. But, you know, we didn't, with Source, we didn't pay ourselves for the first 18 months. Mm -hmm. And we only do quarterly owner's draws. So, um, yeah, just be smart about how you see yourself growing the business and what it takes financially in order to do that. Instead of getting excited and, you know, spending all of your monies on fancy whatevers. So, so that's product, 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 product. And uh, yeah. So did we want to talk about distribution today? Yeah, I think we could kind of touch on it. Um, Talk a little bit about just what it starts to look like, because I know, you know, what we have kind of outlined to talk about is not just the the actual physical distribution, but also like the PR and marketing and everything kind of leading up to it. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Maybe what we'll do is we'll, I'm looking at my notes and we're doing this on the fly. This is real life. Um, Woo. Maybe also, we'll save, 
a construction yeah. worker outside of my house now all of a sudden, not at my house, but at my neighbor's. And I think he's like hammering shit and throwing it into a dumpster. Oh, so wonderful. it's really good timing on, on his part. Yeah. The construction guys working on our, on our neighbor's house the other day. It was like just the loudest F-bombs all day. I'm like, <laughs> it's a good thing that this doesn't bother me, but damn. Yeah. It's, uh, it's real aggressive. I, I swear when quarantine started, our neighbor, I'm like, I'm not even exaggerating. Our neighbor directly to the left of us and the one directly behind us both got their roof replaced on the oh. same day. And I was just like, ah, my brain's going to explode. <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't be allowed. No, pace no. that shit. <laughs> yeah. So distribution, physical distribution of your product. Here's a here's a great time for us to plug save the post office. <laughs> like, save the UP. USPS. Why did USPS, I knew I had USPS. it wrong. I knew it was four letters. Don't save the UPS. I mean, I'm sure they're great too. But save the USPS. Save the USPS. And, you know, the the USPS really is a great option mm-hmm. for people who are just starting out because of the flat rate shipping that they offer. So they have boxes that you, granted, they're, they are red, white, and blue, and they say, you know, USPS all over them. So if that's like not on brand for you, I can see why you could struggle with this part. But I mean, you can go to the post office, grab the boxes. They don't cost you anything. And then you can print the labels at home when you have orders. And then you can drop them off in bulk at the post office, or you can even schedule pickups. So you don't even have to leave the house. So great option for these days. Totally, totally. So the flat rate boxes from USPS, if you're not pushing a ton of inventory out all the time, is a great option because, and actually kind of if you have a heavier product, because the box, it doesn't matter how light or heavy the box is, it's the same price. So pro tip. That is, a. I didn't know that. So that is a great tip. Yeah. I mean, we have shipped like the large boxes full of styling, like filled with styling blocks and it's fucking heavy (laughs) and it's like $15. Oh, cool. Yeah. So definitely look into, you know, flat rate shipping as an option. Then there are built-in options with Shopify. Not like, again, I really should stop talking about Shopify if I don't know the answers to the things that I'm recommending. But I know Shopify pretty well. I got you. But people tell me that Shopify has built-in shipping, like printing labels and things like that in the platform. So that's great. You just have to get your own boxes, which we're not buying boxes from Uline, which we talked about last time. We did. No Uline. No Uline. So find someone else. Um, actually, my I do have a friend who's starting something. She sent me this really beautiful box company. I will look it up and we can put it in the show notes. All I remember is that it starts with an L. Okay. And it's like the sexiest branded boxes you could get. Ooh, okay. I like that. 
So we'll, we'll put those in the show notes for you. So, um, but ShipStation is the, the platform or program that we use. And that's also a great option. Um, and Etsy has built in stuff and is actually really great if you feel like you're going to have a lot of international customers, because that was one of the, the growing pains that we experienced was originally we at sourced did not sell our styling blocks internationally because it was just too fucking expensive to ship stuff. And that was one of the main reasons why we started putting stuff on Etsy is because it's super, super cheap. So another benefit of Etsy. Interesting. Yep. So, I mean, and I think, I think on average it only costs us like $3 to ship domestically. And then maybe it's, two or three times that for international. Whereas like I've gone, granted we do want to save the USPS, but I have tried to send small packages of styling blocks to Canada and it's been like $30 for a $15 product. And that's just, just dumb. So, so yeah, so you definitely want to figure out how you're getting these things out the door in the last episode, we talked about actually, you know, processing orders and getting them ready to go out the door, but mm-hmm. just come up with a plan for yourself, have people to help if you need it, be prepared to be sitting on your couch prepping yeah. orders at odd hours of the day or night. Can we circle back really quick to shipping and pricing? Because that's something that I see a lot of my friends who own product-based businesses something that they struggle with because like, say they don't use the flat rate boxes and they're using other methods. Like I personally have always advocated for building your shipping price or shipping cost into the price of the item because how like a million abandoned carts will tell you people are fine with paying the price of the item, but then they get to shipping and they see $12 shipping and they go, ah, fuck them out. But for some reason, our brains are able to process it better if that $12 suddenly, instead of buying a $40 product, you're buying a $52 product, you know? But as long as the shipping's free, it's like groovy. So if there's a way to split that difference. You don't even have to build in the whole shipping cost into your, your price, but building that at least a little portion of that shipping cost into your product. So you don't get people getting to that step and and bouncing. Totally. And it is this psychological phenomenon that people, even if shipping is $5, they much prefer to pay 50 with free shipping than 45 with $5 shipping, even though it's the same. It's so true. So, and I think nowadays, especially right now, Free shipping is kind of a standard. So, and a standard of convenience as well as a sales and marketing tool. Because we live in an Amazon world. Totally. Totally. We need it now. We need it free. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that that's really great advice to look at, you know, figuring out what your shipping costs are and working that into your price point. Um, I haven't ever done any sort of like real testing on shipping, but it would be interesting like 
if you don't want to build in the entire cost of shipping, let's just say you have a flat, you know, everyone pays $3 for shipping regardless. And then the rest of your costs are built into each product. But, you know, I think from a, from a marketing perspective, being able to have this quote unquote added value of free shipping is really smart and no one knows but you what it costs to actually produce your product. Right. And two, you get, we kind of talked about, I think in the last episode or the one before how you want to make it as easy for them to purchase as possible. Right. And so they, you tend to glide through that final step when you're ordering something online and you see free shipping as opposed to that hesitation that comes when you start calculating these big shipping charges and whatnot. So it's, it's just one of those things that makes it easier for people to hit, like, as my husband says, smash that order button. (laughs) Smash the order button. I love it. Oh my God. It's so aggressive. (laughs) I know. I think he stole it from Pod Save America, but okay, that's smash like his thing now. He's like, smash that button. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. But that is really, really good advice. I love it. And um, yeah, I mean, like people are, they can, I think they can justify paying more for product, right? Because it's something they get, but the shipping is just cash burned. And they don't like that. Totally. There's no tangible reward for it. Yeah. Yeah. So humans are silly, but you can take advantage of it. So, you know, just you do you, boo, (laughs) with the shipping. (laughs) So, yeah, distribution. I mean, if you end up being some big ass company, you're, you're going to have a really solid arm of your business that is focused on logistics. So just have that in the back of your mind. You might be building a mini Amazon where you need to, you know, like even florists, florists are in the partly in the business of logistics because they have to have delivery trucks, delivery people, you know, like a process for all of those things. So um, it's not always as simple as getting your flat rate USPS boxes and scheduling them for a pickup. Sometimes it's more complicated than that. <laughs> we should have a, uh, did you talk? I remember you had Natalie on from Native Poppy on your show mm-hmm. a long while ago. Yeah. I don't know if you guys talked, you guys talked about scaling business, right? We did. Yeah. We talked about scaling. We didn't talk too much about like the delivery logistics and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. we didn't get too much into that, but that's a good episode. If you haven't listened to it yet with Natalie Gill from native poppy, we love her. Yeah. She's one of my favorite and weird humans. Yes. Same. <laughs> so, okay. So to wrap this puppy up and tease the shit out of a marketing episode that's going to be coming your way. Kind of knock your socks off. (laughs) Knock your socks off with the marketing talk. One of the things that I definitely want you to do is have a pre-launch strategy. You can't go through all of this, all of these late nights, all of these tired hands and eyes and brains and just like 
open the doors for business one day. Because that's where you end up with crickets. And that's fucking depressing. (laughs) So sad. So, So sad. So build the email list. We talked about that. You can incentivize people to sign up for that email list by just giving them a discount code for their first purchase, right? Like that is, we have all taken that bait. (laughs) And if you say you haven't, you're lying. You're lying. Lying, (laughs) lying, lying. We have all given companies our email address for that 15% off your first purchase. A thousand percent. So it is a tried and true strategy. So you should take advantage of it. The next thing you should really be doing while you're working on all of this business building is building your social following. And a lot of times people ask me, well, what do I share? And I'm like, you don't have to necessarily post a ton, but people love behind the scenes and process videos. They do. And, and I always tell people when they're launching a new business and they, they ask that same question about like social media and stuff. It's like, I always tell them you need to have content up before you invite people to the party. Because like, if you start telling people, here's my Instagram, follow me. And it's blank or it's got like two posts. It's like, Oh, you know? So you can do, you know, what a lot of people do with like the kind of stylized grid, um, of for like nine posts or whatever, or you can do like Taylor said with the behind the scenes stuff, but you need to have, I would say at least like six to nine posts before you start getting tracking down those followers. Totally. So even if you're for the stylized grid, are you talking about like where it takes one photo and breaks it up into six or nine? Yeah. Or like I've done it a couple of times where I'll send um, my, my friend Jen does them for me. Um, I'll send her like a Pinterest board with like mood board stuff, you know, some things I want Mm -hmm. her to kind of compile into some pretty kind of grid graphic. Um, I'll put like a screenshot in the show notes of what I'm talking about. I just, we did it for glitter guide when we relaunched the website and I did it for pretty okay when we first started the podcast, but it just kind of like, it gives a little intro to your brand and it provides con. It gives them something to look at, you know, something they know you're about, but even if you don't have a product ready to go out the door. Totally. And your whole point here is to build buzz and anticipation. So you're literally just teasing the shit out of people. Totally. So you, don't need to, you don't need to have all of your product imagery done or your full social strategy done. Like just start putting little nuggets out there so that people can start getting curious because yeah. you know, curiosity always kills a cat. <laughs> so that is our uh, product spiel. And I will be the total marketing nerd in me is going to be so excited for the next episode. Cause that's where me and Sam, we're going to make you, we're going to teach you all about KPI. Oh my God. My favorite. I'm doing those later today for glitter guide. <laughs> nice. I do mine on the first of every month for the trailing month. I do so. them every week. Um, yeah. Just cause I'm, I'm that nerdy. <laughs> I like to know, but we're content based, you know, so it makes more sense to do it. 
Oh my God. I can't even imagine having to do like, look at all those numbers for the amount of content you push out every week on if I, that's like saving your accounting for the year, right? You yeah. just don't, it's bad. Yeah. So, but no, we do it every week, it, you know, and we'll get into this with the whole marketing episode, but KPIs are just a really good way of knowing what's working and what's not working and helping you adjust from there. So I will nerd the fuck out when we get to KPIs. I'm so excited. I've done, I've talked about them a little bit um, in a mini sode, haven't I? Did I dream that? I feel like, God, I, I feel like my own podcast more. <laughs> you probably, you haven't done a mini sode in quite a while. So no, it's been a long time. It's, it's just pre COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID. No one knows. Don't ask me what I was doing in January because I don't know. Nope. Don't. Couldn't tell you. We're in a downhill slide to Christmas now, you guys. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so that was a lot of good information, Taylor. I learned some stuff. And Sweet. we'll put together the show notes. But we will be back in two weeks with another episode, the next part of the series. Uh, but until then, you know, you can find us on Instagram at Pretty Okay Podcast. Uh, show notes will be up on prettyokpodcast.com. And, you know, as always, it it helps us and makes our hearts happy if you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your, your podcast fix. We so, would appreciate you even more. Big hearts and loves. <laughs> <laughs> big hearts and loves. I don't know. I don't know. I'm who you know. I'm not. I'm not a. a You're not a word person. You're a numbers person. Um. Yeah. I'm not a mushy like. No. It pains me to ask for favors like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that you and I have in common. We would rather just like struggle behind the scenes (laughs) than ask. Yes, I know. Well, I didn't have to ask for the first like fifteen reviews or whatever. But now we're we're in the place where people who naturally just give reviews to everything have already given their review. So now it's like, hey, everybody else that needs a little nudge, nudge, nudge. We love you. Thanks. Yeah. We do love you. <laughs> we super, super appreciate everyone who listens to our weird but smart conversations. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is always bombs. Oh, that was a very uh, Lizzo. <laughs> I'm really good at those, actually. So it's Rocky. Yeah. yeah. So, but seriously, we appreciate all of you. I mean, this is always a bright spot in my calendar when Sam and I get to sit down and record this. And I hope that it is a bright spot in yours when we launch new episodes. Yes, same. So thank you, guys. We will be back in a couple weeks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.